Weencast, a ween podcast with Shane and Rory. Hey, what's up? This is Shane. And this is Rory. And this is Weencast. And we welcome you to a new episode. What's going on? Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're rocking and rolling. Yeah. And we got an extra special episode for you tonight. Yeah, so this is something we've been talking about doing for a long time, and we've been wanting to sort of go over some of the Ween side projects for a while, and we decided to start in alphabetical order. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is the start of an occasional series where we're going to be discussing and breaking down all the uh, side projects, side gigs and solo projects for all the, the band members. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with Claude Coleman Jr.'s solo project, Amandla. Amandla. Yeah, man. Hell yes. I can't think of a better place to start, to be honest, because Amandla's the shit. That's the first thing I want to say. If anyone doesn't get a chance to get through this whole episode, Amandla's the shit. Go out and get the albums and listen to them because they're really good. Oh, my God. I know we've brought it up on the podcast a couple of times before, but in my opinion, I think these albums are a little overlooked. You know, you just don't hear a lot of talk about them. And if you haven't heard this stuff, you're you're definitely doing yourself a, a disservice. I mean, it's, it's just really great shit. And I, I think it's really one of the longest running side projects of like the ween world because really this stuff kind of dates back to the late 80s yeah dude some of these songs go back to the 80s that uh that he has on his albums Mm -hmm. so so claude's been writing his own music for a really long time and and i would say of all the side of the solo projects i mean man amandla's right up there with the best of them yes sir i would say my other big favorite is is probably the Freeman uh, album, I think. Yeah. Is to me like that's almost that's almost like another Ween album to me. But man, this is just top to bottom. This is just solid gold. So yeah, dude, I think we got to dive in and get rolling. Totally. Because it's so good. I can't hardly wait. <laughs> is your cutting board dried out, ugly and lacking luster? Do your tables have too many water rings to count and need a fix? Are your kitchen utensils old and damaged? Maybe you just want to add a little bit of natural wood beauty to your home. Whatever it is, you can count on West Brandywine Woodworks to provide for you. We make high-quality, custom hardwood items for your home. From cutting boards to shelving, West Brandywine Woodworks has you covered. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. Mention Weencast when you order for 21% off. So give us a like and a follow, and don't forget to mention Weencast for 21% off your order. West Brandywine Woodworks. Custom simplicity for your home. So, you know, why don't we start with giving a little bit of background uh, this isn't meant to be a biography of Claude or a biography, you know, it's not meant to be a biography of Claude. It's not meant to be a total history of, of everything, but uh, but it's probably useful to give a little bit of background information, you know, the kind of the, the history uh, of, of the late 80s and, and the 90s and whatnot. And so something I'll, I'll say up front is, you know, getting ready for this podcast. Certainly we've tried to do a lot of research and it is, it's always challenging to dig that far back and get clear answers to the questions we're looking for. Yeah, man. So that's been interesting. And, and, and Shane, you you had you know mentioned as we were getting ready for this that you know with the Ween stuff, you know Ween is really well documented, and you can go pretty far back. You know, you go on Brown Base, and you can get set lists. 
Mm-hmm. You can even get, I mean, not not comprehensively every show from the early Ween era, but you can find recordings and videos and partial recordings of a lot of those early shows. But when you start going to these side side projects, mm-hmm. it is it is scarce. It is scarce yeah, to find shit about this stuff. It's hard to not only find recordings of the shows, it's hard just to find documentation of like the tour dates and when the shows themselves were. I mean, there are there are some things that you can kind of piece together. You know, there's a lot of articles and things from the Amandla website that help and will tell you like, okay, this is when he was on tour for, you know, the support of the different records. But it's hard just to find like when the shows were, let alone like what the set lists were or like recordings of them. Yeah. You know, and this would be something, you know, like on Brown, we always are hyping up Brown Bass. It's an amazing resource. It's so awesome. But it it has side projects for Aaron and Mickey, but it doesn't include stuff for, you know, Mandla, which, you know, makes sense. Claude is in Ween, but he's not, you know, one of the two main dudes, right? But uh, but I would I would ask, you know, very humbly make the request that can we get that going? Can we try to get <laughs> can we try to get a Mandla in the mix on there? Yeah, man. But yeah, dude, it is impossible to find tour dates. You know, occasionally you can find an article out there that will tell you like, oh, upcoming tour dates. They're not even necessarily all confirmed because some of them could have just fallen through. Who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not even necessarily verified that they've happened. And you can go to uh, jamban.com or jambase, whatever the hell the websites are called, right? And, And there's like nothing there. There's like very little to go on. I've been fortunate to see Amanda twice live. And the one show they opened for Ween. So we know when that was, and that's documented. Mm-hmm. There's no set list, and I can't find a recording of it, but at least we know when it happened. The second one, uh, infamously, I had to do some sleuthing for, um, for that one to even figure out when that was, and I finally found my poster and pieced it all together. I must have peeled the poster off the wall. But yeah, man, so it, it has been a challenge to put all this shit together. So we are, we're going to do our best to give you a, a, a nice picture into uh, Amandla, the music, the history, the awesomeness. Right on. So Amandla gets its sort of genesis in the 80s. And Claude was in a band, Skunk. Mm-hmm. And that band, they, they uh, formed in 1986. And I forget which year they disbanded. But uh, they made it to around 1990, I think, or the early 90s. And they were produced by Andrew Weiss, who, of course, also famously produced Ween. And, and, and worked with Ween, you know, they still do. He still does. But early in the early days, Andrew Weiss was very, very heavily involved. So, so Claude starts with Skunk, among other bands. He's done so much, so much music. But there are a couple Skunk songs that are on the first Amandla album, Falling Alone. So the music for Amandla goes all the way back to that early Skunk era. Right. So the second Skunk album is called Laid. And... You know, it's actually a, a pretty cool record. The The first one sort of like is what it is. You know what I mean? I, I'll admit that I haven't spent a whole lot of time um, listening to it. <laughs> hey, you have it. Give yourself credit for that, dude. You got it on vinyl, right? I do have it. <laughs> yes, I have the vinyl of, of both of them. That's fucking awesome, man. I mean, it's it's so funny because especially the first Skunk record, I mean, the notes and the thank yous and whatnot are almost the exact same thing as God Ween Satan. It's like all the same yeah. exact stuff. It's like not only is it on Twin Tone Records, but it's like Andrew Weiss produces it and all of like the thank yous and shout outs and whatnot, they're all like the same shit. They're all the same dudes. 
But anyway, so on the second Skunk record, there are two songs that wind up on the first Amandla record, Falling Alone. And, you know, just listening to Skunk, I mean, it's kind of one of those records where I didn't have it, you know, just kind of went back and bought it for just for fun and listening to it. And it was like, hey, wait a minute. So they must have been Claude tracks that he thought were worthy enough to kind of bring back. Yeah. The first album, Falling Alone, it seems to me from doing like a little bit of the research, like it's almost sort of like a greatest hits of like the Claude stuff up until that point. Yeah. So the albums, there's three Amandla albums. We've got Falling Alone, which came out in 2001. We've got Full Catastrophe, which comes out in 2006. And then we have uh, the much more recent Laughing Hearts, which comes out in, came out in 2018. And even though Falling Alone comes out in 2001, as you're saying, it's sort of like a best of Claude's material before that. Mm-hmm. He um, says that even though the, ba- the band Amandla, which to be clear, Amandla is Claude. He gets, there's a, a good number of, of other musicians who help him record, you know, do, you know, play the bass on one song or play the saxophone, you know, that kind of shit. And when he goes on tour for Amandla, he has musicians helping him, of course, uh, touring musicians, but Amandla is Claude. So it's sort of synonymous. So when we say the band, it really means Claude. Although when he's playing live, there's obviously other people playing with him. And on the albums, not all the songs, some of the songs are 100% him, but many of the songs do have other musicians on them. But he says that the, the band basically forms in 1999, or the project, however you want to look at it. But even though that, even though it doesn't get started till 99, he says that at least half the songs or half the songs were written by 1993. Right. He was just a, he was just broke, you know, couch surfing. Uh, in fact, famously couch surfing at the pod where he basically got pulled in to, um, to be in Ween when Ween was just the, the Aaron and Mickey and a dat. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the suggestion, it was, um, Joe Kramer, I think. Yeah. Kramer. It was Kramer who basically made the suggestion you should, you, you, this is cool and all, but it, take this to the next level and actually have a... Yeah, form a band. Yeah, and Claude was chilling out on the sofa, and the, the rest is history. And so, you know, so Claude was just couch surfing at the time, but writing a lot of music, so he didn't have any ability to record it. Now, fast forward to 1999, and at this point, he's been in Ween for several years and rocking. And uh, he says in 1999, he actually was working at, and had a friend who worked at, Lenny Kravitz's studio in Hoboken, New Jersey. And he basically ended up getting free studio time at Kravitz's studio, which is pretty fucking cool. That's the shit, man. You know, so are you going to go my way? Claude's like, yes, I am. (laughs) So in fact, he even, uh, in fact, he, um, I think actually used some of Kravitz's instruments. I don't know if, I think that was more or less on the sly, but, uh, you know, going through boxes of, of gear, at the studio to like get things together to use. I think he actually used some of Kravitz's equipment. And so it wasn't until 99 that he had this opportunity at this like amazing studio, you know, that he finally was like, all right, a mandla putting this shit together. Well, you know what? And it's cool because when you hear like a story like that, it's like, hey, you know what? That makes a lot of sense because all three of the records sound great. They really do. I mean, you know, even though it's Claude self-produced and, you know, a side project thing and whatnot, these are not any lesser quality 
basically than, you know, the majority of the Ween records, especially Falling Alone. Like, it sounds amazing. I would say that quality-wise, it's it's as good as anything out there. Yeah. Uh, the music's clean. It's got, it's full of intent. Uh, he, you can tell that he works on these songs and practices them and works on them and, and really, and, and, and fine-tunes them. And, and, and he is not just an artist, but also a craftsman. Yeah, man. I like to think of Claude as, and this isn't meant to demean anyone else in Ween, but I like to think of him as like the professional. <laughs> and he is a consummate professional musician. So yeah, the music's, uh, the, the album sound great and the music is awesome. But um, but yeah, so he finally gets this studio space that he can work on it and he putting this shit together. And so Amandla uh, means power in the Zulu language. So that's where the name comes from, Amandla. And he first came across that on a Miles Davis album of the same name. So he he's listening to Miles Davis. Claude's steeped in um, in a lot of uh, a lot of musical genres, which which comes up. It's a recurring theme that he all the albums have a lot of different variety on them, and he's pulling from a lot of sources. But in particular, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's any surprise here. It's not a you know it's this isn't a revelation, but a lot of like um, black music, I guess you can say, and uh, a lot of funk and soul, and uh, and so there's no there's no accident to me that he's like into jazz and Miles Davis and checking that out and seeing Amandla and immediately being interested and intrigued in that word and everything it encompasses. And so that becomes the name of his, his side pro his, uh, his solo project. Yeah, man. Well put. Yeah. Interestingly, we actually saw Amandla open for Ween August 28th, 1999. So we, yeah. So middle of, of 1999, we see, uh, Amandla open for Ween at the electric factory. And that was actually, a a tour finale for Ween that summer. And there was a lot of crazy shit going on at that show. The Reverend P. Ill uh, <laughs> is, is guest in there. John Fishman's in the house. There's another guy that plays on a, on a track, on a, a song. So like, there's all sorts of cool shit going on. And then go figure, they got a mandla opening up for him. And that was just like a pleasant surprise too. That just happened. Yeah, we, No one, I don't think anybody from the crowd anyway knew that, uh, you know, there was going to be another band and it's just like Claude. And I remember him coming out and just being like, Hey, what's up? Like I'm Claude. I drum for ween. We're just going to open the show. And I mean, I, I kind of remember them playing a, a solid, you know, half hour or whatever something it was, like that. 25 minutes, something like, yeah, it was like, hey, it's a nice surprise. Like, this is fucking cool, you know? Yeah, dude, I would love to, f- and maybe there's one out there, a recording of that night that includes Amandla in it, but I don't, I haven't found one yet. Uh, so if anyone out there knows of that, let us know. Yeah, please hook us up. Because I'd love to see a set list. I'd love to see, I'd love to hear, listen to it again, because I really don't have any re- memory of, of what they played. In fact, no one at that time would have really been much familiar with any of it because if that was August of 99 and he was just forming Amandla that year and working in the studio and Kravitz's studio, all of that would have been new. Right. And we looked at, and you just looked through the entire year on Brown Bass and Amandla doesn't open for Ween any other date. Not that's documented anyway. Yeah, not that it's documented. For all, for all we know, that could have been the only Amandla tour date in 99. In fact, Claude ends up moving to London, which is kind of an interesting thing to think. He's touring with Ween almost, not, not throughout the whole year. Don't, people shouldn't make the mistake of thinking Ween ever toured like nonstop. It really isn't the case more than but a couple years that Ween really toured super a lot. And so, but nevertheless, thinking of Claude living in London for a couple years in the midst of all of that is kind of wild. But it seems like they're probably, I would love to hear Claude, I would love to ask Claude that, and I would love to talk to him about it and see what he has to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the only Amon Latour date 
all year. Yeah, that's interesting to think about because it's definitely possible. So that kind of gets us up to the first album, Falling Alone. Sadly, I have no idea who played on the stage with Ama- with uh, Claude that night. Uh, so we don't have any information on that. But uh, but that takes us to the first album, Falling Alone. And so, mm-hmm. Shane, do you want to do you want to take over and kind of talk a little bit about you know maybe just some of your some of the tracks or uh, you know however you want to kind of go at it. Sure, man. Well, you know, what's really funny and uh, and really cool is the fact that each one of the Amandla albums is on a different record label. And I, I think in one of the... I, I, I'm pretty sure we asked him about it, and then there's another Claude interview where he just says, like, yeah, I just make something up, like, each time. Yeah. He, no, he, in <laughs> fact, he said that to us in our yeah. interview. So, so everyone, go ahead back and, um, you know, we did interview Claude a few years ago, you know, kind of a highlight of my life. Yeah, man. And uh, and yes, yeah, so he does talk about that. And he talks a yeah, lot about but... the early days of Skunk and, and, and getting to be with Ween and stuff. But anyway, I digress. Sorry, go back. Go ahead. Yeah. So this album is on Sounds of Black Sheep. That's the record label that, that Falling Alone is on. And it's a little bit more, I would say, in the vein of like a Ween album. It has a little bit of like the humor. You know, there's a, there's a song. Then there might be a little like interstitial... Not necessarily skit, but like a little like comedy track or like a spoken word. Yes, but there's a couple of little like spoken word pieces. This so falling alone, like and you just mentioned, it's kind of a little bit more in the Ween vein. It's got a lot of variety mm-hmm. and um, and and some of that humor and goofiness with some of those uh, spoken word tracks. Although none of the music I don't find is like sort of humorous or jokey or goofy no great songs but what's interesting is and this really places it in that era Mm -hmm. there's a good number of uh people in the ween world that are actually helping contribute on this album totally and so uh on the stony book radio track for example claude is like pretending to be the dj kind of like sort of going through different introducing different things and whatnot like like on a radio show and then it goes through like someone almost turning through a dial on the radio and like and hearing clips of different songs. Mm-hmm. And one of the songs is an instant death song, right? Dave's yep. Dave Drywood's band. And then another one is Ween. Polka Dot Tail, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I believe it's Polka Dot Tail. And so one of the tracks on that Stony Book radio, one of the radio, like a couple seconds of radio is, is Ween. Mm-hmm. And so you also have Greg Frey helps Claude with... Claude and Greg. Greg, of course, is famously Ween's manager. Right. And he helps with the recording and, and mixing of this album. And then also, there's a, uh, a track that Aaron does the lead vocal on. Hell yeah. So so there's there's all kinds of Ween world influences on Falling Alone. Yeah, it's the most like Ween-related of the three, f- for sure. Which I think totally makes sense when you think about it coming out of music he wrote in the 90s. Right, and of the time period. That more formative era of Ween and like yeah. him becoming part of the band. That was like an apex period. Like we talk a lot about 99-ish being almost like the beginning of like the peak period for Ween. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're, if you're talking, you know, this album was actually released in 2001. I mean, you can't get any more steeped in that, like, Ween universe. I mean, you're talking, you got Ween, you got Sound of Urchin, Instant Death. Totally. You know, they're all, everybody is just coming up with, with different changes. shit. And and helping each other and collaborating with each yeah, other. Dude. Right, Chris Harford, Band of Changes. So all of those guys are just, like, on all of these, you know, records. Absolutely. So this definitely is a good, a good piece from that time period absolutely yeah 
But when you look at the liner notes and the thank yous, Reverend Beals thanked, Tomatoes thanked, mm-hmm. every like all those people, like it, totally, it's like all those people are thanked, and like it really was a very collaborative time period where they all were just helping each other out. A lot of them like based in New Hope uh, or in the very near vicinity, so they're all like together hanging out at you know farmhouses and shit, you know, like real hippie stuff, you know, like couch surfing and just being together and hanging out together and, and collaborating, like a true. It's almost like uh, you know, like you think the '60s at Greenwich Village you know, in the folk folk music scene and Dylan and shit. And this is like the ween world and the new hope in the late nineties. Yeah. Nineties and new hope basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I may be, that may be a little bit audacious for me to mention Dylan, but nevertheless. So yeah, dude, it's uh and falling alone is a great album. You know, it's got, um, totally. I love the variety it has. I've, I've loved this record, you know, for a long, long time. I can't remember which year it was that I actually got it. I mean, as soon as I found out that it was, Uh, released I had bought it it was available on the ween site for a long long time the actual track of falling alone is definitely a standout yeah uh it's mainly like an acoustic track and this is where Claude is a drummer you know the drums on this Mm -hmm. you know kind of starts off very light with bongos and it just keeps like building it has like an amazing build where it goes from the bongos to the actual drums and it just hits and it's just like yeah i recall another time fucking cool track yeah no doubt one that i really like there's a couple that i really like uh little jimmy mm-hmm. is uh and you know i of course the whole jimmy wilson <laughs> thing and like you know claude is sort of jimmy wilson in a way you know because he you know it's like see little old jimmy wilson dance that he plays the the drums and so i don't know if this is connected to that at all but little jimmy is awesome you got some great claude falsetto little jimmy And dude, it's so soulful and funky. Yeah, it's very funky. It's funny. So I, on a cross country trip way back in the day, went to the uh, Experience Music Project in Seattle, which is a pretty cool music, rock and roll music uh, museum, basically, if for anyone that hasn't been out there. But uh, it's not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that's in Cleveland, but this is up in Seattle. And it does have a lot of focus on Seattle sound and Nirvana and all those kind of things. But It's cool. But nevertheless... One of my things that I, I got was a double disc funk like box, like a, not a box set, but a, a funk, like a best of funk double disc. Nice. And Little Jimmy could totally be on the, you could throw that on there and people would think it was right out of like the early 70s <laughs> or something. Yeah. Like yeah. absolutely fits in with that. Like Little Jimmy was all right. You know, like it's just a very yeah. funky, funky, soulful uh, old track. 
And so I love, I just love that one. That's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another one I really like is On a Ferry. It's got the bongos going on, and this is a slower track. You know, there's a lot of variety. So I already just mentioned that we got the old funk, funk soulful funk. Uh, Falling Alone is, it's a, that's a, more, a little more of a rock tune. But On a Ferry is this like slower, just melodic thing. And there's a great line in there that I wrote down. And there's just these bongos going on. And it's just like, you know, it's smaller than life, smaller than death. Smaller than all that I know and the salt that I taste on my breath. Very good. More than the lies that I live and the salt I still taste on my breath. Yeah, Claude has a really cool way of writing where it just kind of like keeps going. You know what I mean? It's not just like one, it's not just like one rhyme. It's like two, three like pieces together. Yes. Yeah. No, he's a great, you know, uh, don't underestimate his poetry. Yeah, man. And just really understated deepness, I guess. You know, like you could miss, you could like on first glance or first listen, you might not appreciate the sort of depths in the, in the, in the lyrics. And I would say the same, so, so go back to Little Jimmy, and I'm not going to try to sing any more of that and embarrass myself anymore, but <laughs> it's it's a, it's like telling a story of a guy, Little Jimmy, doing his thing, and it's it's a great, it kind of, it, it's really fun because it just sort of keeps going, though, like you said, like the lyrics kind of keep going. But yeah, dude, a lot of good stuff. I also liked I Think I Don't Mind. Is that the last song on the, is that the last track? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ones that comes from the from the skunk record. Yeah, dude. You know that maybe that was an epiphany to me when you told me that that came from the skunk record because that means the songs from like the late '80s. Yeah, man. You know, and it's so it's to me it felt felt a lot like Prince, a very Prince esque. But also, I was getting hints of the Beatles in there, and so it's a very like like a like a McCartney the Beatles song "Oh Darling." Not that it's exactly like I think I don't mind, but with McCartney hitting those high notes and yearning for that, you know, person, you know, oh, darling, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great comparison. And so I just really got, again, like a throwback, but a different kind of throwback. This is more of like a rock throwback versus uh, like a funk. Although Prince is absolutely funky. Oh, yeah. But 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 feeling a little more of a rock throwback. But um. Realizing that that was a skunk song, it's like, man, dude, I guess I'm glad skunk didn't make it because then Claude probably wouldn't have joined Ween. But man, dude, I guess I kind of wish there, you know, I, I guess I wish that what could have been, you know, things, things like that just work out for a reason, you know, Yeah. you can't question fate. Totally. You know? <laughs> so yeah, you know, not that we want to sit here and highlight every song, but I do want to say a little bit about, um, 
them touring. So, so first off, we've already mentioned that we don't really have any record of verifying tour dates. And for all we know, their Mandla may have only ever even played a few dozen shows, like in their whole history. Right. Because I don't think that he just, because first off, this is, he started in 99. His most recent is 2018. That is 19 years, right? He, it's not like he's been touring as a Mandla that whole time. I'm pretty sure he really only mostly just does Amandla tours in connection with the albums. And so I did find a, an old review from that time period from uh, Scott Caffrey on jambands.com. And he actually saw a show in September of 2001. And that's actually right after 9-11. And so the show, I think, I want to say it was in Hoboken, uh, somewhere in New Jersey, but not too far from, from 9-11. Maybe it was even closer. I don't know. I don't know exactly when it was, where it was. But at any rate, just to mention that the guitarist was dubbed Baby Hendrix. Nice. And so I guess apparently the dude had a big afro as well. <laughs> but that's literally all that I know about the Amandla tour for Falling Alone. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some more information out there, but there again, it's kind of like, you know, this stuff may have been documented, but never really made it online. You know what I mean? So... It's tough when you're going back to that, you know, that that like time period. And, you know, the, the, the shows are probably in a lot of just like bars and small, you know, small clubs and stuff like that. So it's like, who thought to write this shit down? Yeah, totally. So anyway, let's move on to Amadla's second album, Full Catastrophe. And that was released in 2006. Yeah, so basically this is on Stonebrook records which again is just kind of made up <laughs> by, by, by claude but i love the fact that he actually goes through the trouble of doing something like that because it, i think he just said like yeah like that's just part of the fun and it's like yeah man like fucking a right yeah yeah <laughs> it's like you gotta have a label you know you gotta have a record label totally. and if you don't just make one up you know <laughs> so i love it interesting little little tidbit is you know falling alone comes in the standard jewel case and then by the time Full Catastrophe comes out, it's just like a cardboard slipcase. Oh, yeah, that move. And and unfortunately, neither one of those records has been put out on vinyl. Hint, hint. Come on, Claude, put them out on vinyl. So this is the first, there's only three of them. So this is the album that comes out post-accident. And right. so if you don't know, Claude was involved in a really terrible car accident in 2002. And he's still to this day dealing with effects from that. But the months right after that were really difficult and challenging for him. And uh, we're actually going to be, not to tip our hat, but in a couple months we'll be, we'll be addressing that in future episodes. Mm -hmm. but, um, but at any rate, this, the full catastrophe is actually, the, the title is inspired from the accident and the production and work on this uh, was really a like cathartic and like therapeutic, a source of therapy for Claude. Now, it is worth mentioning that many of the songs predate the accident. So I think most of them do. And so it's not like you can like listen to all the songs and be like, oh man, I can hear him talking about it, you know? Because that's not exactly how it works. Right. But nevertheless, thematically, uh, the way the album sets up and the, the, the flow of it and the feeling of it, is very like um it's therapeutic it really is it's a very chill loungy vibe to the album there's a mm -hmm. lot of great flow to it so let me talk a little bit about where some of the inspiration comes from 
So the album's title is inspired by the words of Zorba the Greek and meditation teachings of Dr. John Kabat-Zinn for living with stress caused by pain and illness. During the recovery, I believe his sister gave him a copy of Kabat-Zinn, this, this book from this doctor about how to deal with, with uh, pain and stress in your life. So I'll quote some of that. This is from Claude. He says, Kabat-Zinn teaches us lessons on acceptance as well as courage with grace. We need to accept all the crap along with the positive. It's all the essence of the living experience that makes being alive so precious. In studying his teaches, teachings, my already pretty high threshold of pain and discomfort has become limitless. The struggles, tribulations, and trials of being alive are exactly the same as life's joys, gifts, accomplishments, and with this understanding comes a reduction of the soaring stress in the body that the pain causes, which is great and without rest. He says, I haven't had a day without pain in five years. And at this point, this is a while ago, but I'm pretty sure he's still, is, he's still dealing with issues. I don't know exactly right. the extent at this point, but perhaps for the rest of my life, I'll be dealing with it. But in accepting and processing the pain, I've still found tremendous enjoyment in everything I do. Wow, man. That, that, yeah, dude, that's deep. And that, so that's a little bit of background where the title Full Catastrophe comes from. And that gives you some insight into how Claude was trying to deal with his recovery. And then how this album became very cathartic in uh, in getting him to re- over his or through not his recovery is not over but but in getting him like to continue to evolve through his recovery. Mm-hmm. So I think that's amazing, dude. I mean, I, I give the guy so much credit, you know, to come back from a, a you know, he suffered brain damage and paralysis, etc., partial paralysis and things. And so it's just it's just it's amazing to me to see someone with so much spirit you know, find a way to overcome that and continue being an amazing musician, both for Ween. Yeah, man. And and the fact that he was playing music later that same year, when his accident happens in August and he's back basically by the end of the year, it's just, it's amazing, man. Yeah, I mean, dude. the guy is just a, a machine and just a absolute inspiration. Totally. And th- this record has a, a, a lot of different things going on to it as well. It doesn't really have any of like the... um of like the humor. It, it 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 feels more of just like a Claude solo record. It's not so much steeped in that ween family as as falling alone. You had written down it feels very like loungy, funky, has a it has a lot more of like a 70s kind of feel to it, I, I feel. Mm-hmm. One of the other quotes that uh that Rory had found, Claude said there's some Curtis Mayfield type stuff in there and some Sabbathy stuff, some folky, dirty Fleetwood Mac. And he calls it soul folky rock psychedelia. And I'm like, that's pretty cool, man. And like, that's very fitting of this record. Absolutely. You know, this to me, this record, it doesn't necessarily, it, there, there is variety in the music, but the, the variety is all like stuffed into each song. So it's not like, oh, one's a heavy metal song. One's a funk song. One's a rock song. One's a, it's not exactly that. I mean, there is, a, there is some variety. I don't mean to understate it, but it's more like each song just has all of that in it a little bit. And, yeah, dude, it's it's a great listen. I find that the individual songs don't stand out quite as much for me. Um, I find that this is a great album just to kind of put on and listen to. And you really get, it's meditative. And this comes back to the, the therapy and the cathartic nature of it for Claude. It's very a medi- It's a very meditative album for me. Yeah, it's cool, man. I was just going to say an interesting thing I find, I found in the liner notes. He says, written, he's like all songs, written, performed, produced, recorded, and survived 
by Claude Coleman Jr. And that's so, that's such a cool, you know, like he's a survivor, you know, and so many of the songs predate the accident. Mm -hmm. So in order for him to put those songs out to the world for us to get, he had to survive. He had to overcome that. Totally, man. Yeah, man. I would say a standout for this one would be Stoned Love. It's very 70s. It almost feels like a disco kind of track. Something from like a Bee Gees record or something that has a real like funky guitar like waka 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 Stoned out of your love. You know. Cool hook, you know. And there again, he's doing the falsetto. Yeah. You know. You got to. Yeah, man. Why not? Hip into sleeper. That might be where he considers the uh, Sabbathy kind of stuff. That's a little bit more of like a rock. Yeah. And the just like cool like bass and guitar riffs. This record, and then I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, maybe this is just me projecting a a bit, but the second two Amandala albums, they're not so, like, drum-heavy, you know? I feel like by this time, Claude's definitely getting more into being a guitarist and being a bassist and playing the different instruments. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, with, with Falling Alone, it's a little bit more, like, drum-driven. Again, maybe that's just in my imagination because I know him as a drummer, but the guitar and bass of Full Catastrophe are just amazing. Yeah, dude. No, and I, I'm with you. There's definitely an evolution that at least feels like it's happening from Falling Alone to Full Catastrophe to Laughing Hearts where it feels like he's maturing and growing, you know, and yeah, you know, coming out, like finding where he fits and, and evolving as a musician. Uh, and so this one is more, yeah, it, it's not as drum focused. Yeah. And, and there's, and so it just shows that, you know, he's a multi-instrumentalist. He's, he's not just a drummer and there's still a good number of people helping him on this one here and there. Some of the songs are hundred percent him. Uh, about half the songs are hundred percent him. And then the other ones have a couple people here and there helping out. So people are still helping out, but it's it's totally, yeah, you just see that evolution. Another one of the uh, the, the tracks is the last one, uh, which is called Back Down. And I, I absolutely love the fact that on this record and um, and on Laughing Hearts, the next record, uh, the, the final track is listed as a bonus track. <laughs> I mean, that's just, again, it's like, why, you know? Why not? You know, <laughs> it's, just, it's a bonus track. It's a bonus track. You know, you got to why not? Both songs have a very like classic, classic rock sound to them, like a 50s or early 60s style. Yeah. Feel to them. Just a, you know, a little bit more on the simple side and just amazing guitar. And I, I, I just love it. I just love it. Totally. I'm talking back down. Back down, 
say about full catastrophe in that time period uh every time he goes on tour it's basically a different backing band and you know it's just like they're not he's amandla and he's just getting like his buddies and, and other great musicians to help him out and so on this tour at least for some of it you had dan green on bass peter kaufman on drums and francis pisani on guitar everyone's from jersey city that was the full catastrophe tour now I want to take a couple minutes and talk about that I actually got to see them on this tour, or I think it must have been for this tour, because I got to I actually saw them in Eugene in February of 2007. And so, if I may, go on a little sidebar, but I don't remember a lot about the music that night, you know, and I can't find any recordings or anything of it, but basically, my wife and I and a couple of our friends were just going out to shoot pool one night. It was a Sunday. I believe, I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday. In fact, I know it was a Sunday. And we're just going out to shoot pool at Lucky's. And it's the bar that's just a couple blocks from where I was living at the time. So we just walked on over. Hey, let's shoot some pool, drink a couple beers. And on the one of the trips to the bathroom, I saw a poster on the wall instead of Mandla, you know, and I'm like, whoa, that's tonight. And so we were like, dude, we have to stick around. So we ended up like hanging out at this bar like all day, <laughs> all night. And then sure enough, Claude comes through the door, you know? And I'm too much of a pussy to, like, actually come up to him. At any rate, he was under the weather. He was sick. And so his voice wasn't really that good that night. It was pretty t- pretty rough, as I recall. But my friend Cassie, it was funny because she was trying to be really sweet. And she gets out this bag of tea, like a tea bag, out of her pocket that wasn't in a package or anything. So it's just like absorbing the dirt and the the sweat in her pant pocket and she like gets up to him she's like i'm sorry you're not feeling well would you like some tea (laughs) so that was pretty fucking hilarious didn't you guys have to go didn't you like call in for like tea like didn't you didn't you tell her or or call her from the bar and just be like yo claude's sick like you gotta bring tea no she just had tea in her pocket so she just had it with her. She just had it with her anyway. I'd have to follow up with her about why she carries tea in her pocket. <laughs> That's not in a package. That's just like a tea bag. And let's be clear, like not, you know, each tea bag has like a, a you know, a sealable, a little packet, a little paper packet that you open up and then the tea bag's inside it. Yeah. But not this time. So he declined, <laughs> which is probably the smart move. But... I, it was just a great time. Lucky's is a is an old school bar in Eugene. They got an old school like uh, bar top in there, and it's one of the like old quote unquote oldest like businesses or restaurant bars in Eugene. So so it's pretty cool little place. And I for some reason I remember Claude playing on the drums, even though everywhere I read it talks about how when he's doing a mandla. He doesn't do the drums. He's usually doing the you know the vocals and the guitar. But I seem to remember him playing drums that night. I may maybe miss just not remembering it correctly because as a drummer, he's that's such a big part of who he's always been to me. But maybe I'm misremembering it, so I don't know for sure. But I sort of remember him on the drums. But yeah, dude, that was a fun show. And I don't, you know, I, I wasn't that familiar with his solo work at the time, so it's not like we were singing along to the songs. 
it's not like he played any ween songs he was doing his own thing but we just had a lot of fun we just had a lot of fun that's cool man and so you can the i tell i i I tell that story in more detail on patreon if you want to check that out Uh, i have a little mini episode where i go into more detail about that evening yeah, that's cool. And I mean, maybe, you know, maybe you're right on both accounts. Like maybe he was playing drums because one of the guys just couldn't make it to the show. And Claude's like, all right, we'll just do it with, you know, drum and bass and I'll just do drum and vocal or what. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he probably just will shift into like a different thing depending on who's going to play the show that night. You know, he probably is real just, you know, show must go on kind of guy, you know. It's totally possible. And it also occurs to me, maybe if he was sick, maybe playing the drums is easier. I don't know. That's just conjecture. But yeah, I think you're probably a little closer to the truth. Maybe on the other hand, maybe I'm just not remembering it correctly. But anyhow, it was just amazing to get to see Claude in a mandla, just two blocks from my home, all the way on the West Coast, completely randomly. Totally awesome, dude. And then the last tidbit to say about that before we move on is that the poster actually famously, infamously, or is it, can it be infamous when it's not a very well-known band? At any rate, they actually got the name wrong. And on the poster, they called them a mandala. Yeah. And on the poster, there's an A after the D. Yes. The poster has it A-M-A-N-D-A-L-A. Ridiculous. So because of that, I know, man, <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. So because of that, all those years, all these years until recently, I had the wrong spelling. Oh, so now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> so in 2013, Claude started a Indiegogo to raise money for his new project, which would wind up being Laughing Hearts. So through Indiegogo, he is said to have raised about $11,000 through um Miscellaneous Q&As on Reddit and stuff like that. You can go back and you can find those uh, those threads on Reddit. Just like some cool questions and things that just, hey, ask me ask me anything, I think they that he called it. So pretty cool stuff. I think he, he if I remember correctly, he, he talks a little bit about the breakup. Because this is 2013, so this is actually um, mm-hmm. just not, the, not much, at, not, you know, too much after the breakup in 2011, right? So... So that's like fresh on people's minds. So they're actually asking him about the breakup. And so I don't want to sit here and kind of rehash all of that. But it's an awesome uh, Reddit to check out uh, and easy to find. Just Google search it. And then he also talks about another thing that I thought Shane was really informative was he was kind of talking about the difference between a full band member versus an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. Because I guess technically for Ween, he is an independent contractor. Um, And so that's what he was saying back in 2013 was... You know, sometimes people may get the misperception that or misconception that he has all this money or something like, oh, Ween sold all these. You know, it's easy for like a jerkwad fan to just be like, <laughs> Ween made all this. Ween sold all these albums and and went on all these tours. How can he have a lot of money? You know, and and so he was pointing out that, you know, at this point it had been, you know, two years since he played several years, really, since he played with Ween. And then also Eagles of Death Metal is another band that he plays with. And, and basically just expressing like, yeah, dude, I don't have a lot of money. And, and I know I mentioned this before that Claude is like a consummate couch surfer. Right. And if those bands aren't like playing live shows, like he doesn't make any money. Yeah. You know, ultimately is the, you know, the real reality of it. Totally. He needed to raise some money to make his new record. 
And I think it's worth it, dude, because the, the record's great. All thank, Thanks to all the fans who contributed to Claude on Indiegogo, you know? So thank you, because you helped, you helped create a great album. Yeah, right on. Well, I have a little mini story about getting this one, and this is the only one of the three that uh, is pre- was pressed on vinyl and is still available on, on vinyl. I think it was Father's Day of 2020, and I actually didn't even know that this record had come out. So this record was released in 2018, I think I just happened to go on to the website, which is amonlinette.net, and see, oh, there's a new Claude record. Like, oh, cool. And it was getting to be Father's Day, or Father's Day was coming up, and I think my wife was like, hey, is there anything you want for Father's Day? And I was like, oh, you know what? Actually, there's that new Claude album. So that was kind of it. I didn't really think anything of it, and then I think Father's Day may have even come and gone, and she said something about it. Like, well, you know, I ordered the Claude record for you, so that'll be on its way. It just hasn't come yet, or some something like that Mm -hmm. and then you know I can't remember exactly the time frame but a few weeks a few more weeks like went by so it was like going on like a month or maybe even longer and my wife just said like hey you know that Claude record never came and I was like yeah you know what you're right like I forgot all about it so I was like well send an email into the to the website and see you know see what they say so she did and you know she didn't say anything bad she basically just said like hey you know i ordered the uh the latest amandala record you know on such and such date or whatever and I, i never received it so a few days went by and then she got an email back from claude himself Nice. Where basic, where basically he just said like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Like I've just been so busy, and I'm, uh, you know, a, a, a one man band here doing all my own merch, and <laughs> you know, wrote this really nice email back, and we were like, oh, it's totally fine. Like you know, take your time, blah blah blah, you know. And of course, I'm like, oh my god, like you got Claude, like you know, tell him I love him, you know, and like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, so he was just like, oh, don't worry, I'll hook you up. So what finally did come was two copies of the album so i have two oh i didn't know you had two copies <laughs> oh here we go shakedown that's great rory, <laughs> rory's about to shake me down for this one um so i have two copies of the record and a couple of ween pins so like i guess pins that you know i don't know if they were you know fan made or whatever that people had sent to him but uh, there was a couple of pins stuck in with the uh, with the record as well. I'm like, hell yeah, you know. Like. That's great, dude. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just gonna say, I know my copy of of Laughing Hearts came directly from Claude, and if you don't have it, order one, and I'm assuming yours will as well. Yeah, dude, that's a great little story. Well, the record itself, you know, the only thing is you can tell that it's a it's a real vinyl record and everything, but I mean, it might be you know, made on the cheap a little bit. And I think Claude, when we talked to him himself, even just said like, yeah, you know, you just give it to like a record company. They just make it for you. It would be nice if it had a little bit more like liner notes and like a little bit more to it. It's basically just like a jacket and then a generic like inner sleeve and a black, a black vinyl. Totally. There's no, you know, there's no like inner sleeve to it or anything like that. You know, there's, there's nothing really on the, the record sleeve, about who plays on on the record besides him, you know. So it's cool, but it's like, yeah, you know, it could he could have spent a little bit more time like making sure like everyone got shout outs and stuff on it, but you maybe the CD has a little bit more to it, like the CD booklet. I don't know, I don't have it. Yeah, that was one of the things in in preparing for this podcast was that the other two albums, we have a lot of great information on all the musicians who helped out on the tracks. But then to have this one 
suddenly it's his most current one, his most recent album. And then it was kind of hard to figure out, to find that information. We got a little bit and we'll share that as we, as, as it's relevant to the songs we talk about. But yeah, it's a bummer because, you know, you, you, you want, we want, I wanted to be able to kind of talk about a little bit about, oh, who are the people playing on this? So we did get a little bit of that information, which we'll get to in a couple minutes. Marshall Hotel Records, which I don't know where that comes from or you know what that reference is but apparently that's just another cool made-up record label so so one of the things about the uh, laughing hearts is that this is the album of sort of claude moving down to Asheville and all of that and so claude's a rolling stone he's moved lived in a lot of places and moving around you know and so he finally lands on Asheville. it's just like this really cool city that really fits his personality and fits him and, and he decides he's gonna get down there and mm-hmm. so one of the things that I feel like is totally a theme or a part of the music on this album is a little bit of this southern, little countryfied, a little bluegrassy kind of kind of a folksy vibe. Totally, man. And the opening track, Follow What Brings You, absolutely fits the bill. It opens up with mm-hmm. a little kind of folksy guitar, kind of really feels like an Asheville type of song. You know, and Claude talks about how this song's about traveling and, and, and a kind of in particular, sort of arriving down south, but also just, you know, the songs like follow what brings you here, you know? And so it's such a neat vibe to think. I didn't even know what Claude had said about the song, and I'm already in my head thinking like, this guy moves around a lot, and this song is all about moving and finding that place. Follow mm-hmm. what brings you here, you know what I mean? And Yeah, man. Part of that to me is also about, you know, if something's going to bring you somewhere, don't leave it behind, like follow it. You know, it's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. You know, that that if you have a certain vibe that you're looking for, like, and you're going to that place, like, bring that with you. Like, that becomes a part of you. I don't know if that makes sense. Totally not. like that that's a really great track because the vibe totally fits with uh with claude with where he is since i have the information we got kirk kirkwood kind of a cool name if that's real Mm -hmm. kirk kirkwood (laughs) on guitar on that one by the way and then um the next song i wanted to just mention or talk about a little bit is laughing hearts which is obviously the title track um, and I don't know how common, usually, I feel like title tracks are usually the first song, or, or maybe not, but at any rate, this is track three. And Laughing Hearts is just has this really nice groove. You know, part of it has a George Harrison guitar sound. Yeah, man. And I don't, I don't want to do a little like mouth guitar because I'll embarrass myself, but I'm totally thinking some of that like, you know, like, um, I just did it. Like, um, and that was a ter- <laughs> that was a terrible, like terrible rendition but but you take some george harrison all things must pass and uh, and you listen to that solo album and it totally has it's i don't know if it's a slide guitar or it just kind of sounds a little bit like a slide guitar but it totally has that like george harrison sound to that guitar that solo sound and i thought that's really cool
title is a reference to a Charles Bukowski poem. So just FYI out there for all the nerds. And and I want I'll just share a quick Claude quote because this is the title track, right? So I think it speaks a lot to the whole out al- the album as a whole. And Claude says, uh, and no, first off, let me back up and say that we're getting a lot of this these quotes and information from an article from uh, Where You At and the uh, music critic is uh, Finn Turnbull is the guy who interviewed Claude for this. And so I want to make sure I give this guy a lot of credit because he, he gets a lot of great information from Claude. It's a really awesome uh, interview. So you should go to the website and check that out. Yeah, and there's at least a, a little bit of, of something about each one of the songs from yeah, totally. Laughing Hearts on that in that article. So that's really cool. Yeah, so Claude says about Laughing Hearts, he says, it's everything that everyone's life should be. You should be a proud laughing heart, full of sunshine and embracing everything coming your way. That's the tune that defines the record and kind of defines the making of it. I think that's wonderful. I think this uh, laughing heart, I love that idea that you should be a proud laughing heart, full of sunshine, embracing everything coming your way. You know? Yeah, man. We don't have time in this world for hate. You know, we don't have time for that shit, you know? So let, let's just try to have fun and embrace shit and, and make the best of things. Fuck yeah. I also think just, you know, last thought on this song is I think that that also speaks a lot to, to Claude, you know, post-accident, um, overcoming the, or, or working through and, 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 and dealing with the long-term issues surrounding that and, and, and starting the, that, that next chapter of his life and the second part of his life or whatnot. And I think it just speaks to his positive attitude and that's awesome. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, man. There's no shortage of different sounds and different instruments used on this album. Totally. You know, there's kind of like a little bit of everything. There's, you know, obviously, you know, guitar, bass and, and drum and everything like that. But you can definitely hear like banjo and, you know, like you said, like slide guitar and just like really cool, you know, different little things about it as well. Totally. Um one of the tracks that I like a lot is uh, Stay Awake, and that starts off with like some really cool uh, bass, and it's a little bit more of like a rocking tune. Yeah, that's like a grungy, rocky, rocking like bass groove, yeah. Yeah, it has a little bit more of like a, of, like, a dirty, like grungy kind of feel to it, and it has a really cool hook, and, you know, me just listening to it uh, just thought it was mainly about being down south because... Uh, he says, the night is warm like an open oven, so stay awake with me. really puts you in like a hot like summer night yeah totally <laughs> kind of place and then reading the uh, article where claude breaks down the uh the songs it was about a uh a friend of his a, a woman that he said that he dated um who had an insatiable sexual appetite and it's like ooh, ooh la la you know but um <laughs> really fucking cool track and just an awesome chorus and uh, gets stuck in my in my head yeah you know it's funny because you hear what his description but i i think what you said is equally valid uh, about the heat not necessarily from the south but like 
I think you can have the, the dual meaning, you know, it's, it's, it's one mm-hmm. of, it can be about a hot, humid night, but also can be about a hot, humid bedroom. Oh yeah. You know, or, or wherever you're choosing, you know, right. You don't have to be in the bedroom. <laughs> All right. TMI. <laughs> it's also another good example of, you know, we talked about in some of the, uh, the previous records, he has a cool way of doing not just one like rhyme in a chorus, but like a few like put together. Mm-hmm. You know, the where like the writing just kind of keeps like going like two, three different little sections to it, like two, three little pieces to it. So that's a, that's another good example of that in that song. Totally. And then I have to give a shout out again to the quote unquote bonus track because this is the uh, third album and it's the second one to have a bonus track. The full catastrophe does as well. And <laughs> the last song on Laughing Hearts is the same. Yeah, dude. No, and the, the quick. St- the quick thing about that is he just likes to throw bonus tracks in there. And we were wondering about like what makes it a bonus track, but apparently it's because he really did just kind of throw it in there at the last minute. Like he put it, he put it together and threw it down, you know, just to kind of add it in there. So it is, it is sort of a bonus track in the sense of it was, it wasn't like a thought for the entire album until the end. It wasn't like, right. it wasn't like there's a regular version of this album out there. And now this is like the bonus one, you know? Yeah, this particular song is called I Get Around, and this is, I think, even more of a sort of, like, 50s, like, rockabilly tune than the last track on Full Catastrophe. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is just straight up, like, old, you know, classic, classic rock style, you know, very simple, but really cool. And this actually features a guitar solo by Joe Kramer. Yeah, occasional, uh, he plays with Dean Wing Group. On occasion, and I believe doesn't he play or has in the past played, um, done the Invitational in at uh, John and Peter's in New Hope. Yeah, I mean, if it's the same dude, it's the same guy who had mentioned, you know, who was the shimmy disc guy, and I think it's all the same, the same dude. Oh, um, you know what? I wasn't even thinking of that. Of course, shimmy disc. <laughs> I mean, the guy's That's like funny. a, the guy's like a legend. It's like, man, he just keeps popping up. That's funny. I totally wasn't even thinking about that part of it. Damn. In the in the notes in this article that we're that we're referring to, um, Claude gives Joe a shout out and basically says he's one of the greatest guitarists he's ever known. It's like, damn yeah. man, like that guy's a fucking legend. That's cool, and the solo does shred. It's really cool, and it's totally like a rockabilly tune, and that's how Claude describes it as well. There's a great line in the song. Well, first off, it's just got this great groove. You know, so it's so it's a really fun song, like old school rock and roll. Anyway, there's a great line in the song, and um, and I'll just read it. But it says, "I get around like a boy on a bike. I get around like the devil on the bayou." <laughs> and I love that line because it totally invokes that old like Southern rock rockabilly like sense. You know, like a devil oh yeah, on the bayou. oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next line is, "I keep the road to my wheels." Which is a great inversion of the idea of the wheel on the road. Keep the road to my wheels. I don't fuck with my rock and roll. Oh, 
know, so that's just like it's awesome. Amen. It's like roots. It's roots, you know, and it's it's a great sort of uh, homage or uh, or not homage or whatever, but it's a great sort of uh, just looking back at the root, roots of rock kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you should never fuck with your rock and roll. No, dude. <laughs> don't rock and roll. Don't fuck with you. Don't fuck with it. You know. Yeah. But it really is another great album. Yeah, dude. It's got a lot of variety, which is a hallmark of Claude. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the things I really like about this album is when you juxtapose it with the other two and you look at them in order, you really do see uh, like the evolution of Claude. Sure. You know, and, and all the albums are great. So it's not like they keep, you know, oh, the first one's okay and they keep getting better and better and this one's the greatest. I'm actually a little on the fence if I, I'm not, to me, I don't know if Falling Alone, I don't know which one's better, Falling Alone or Laughing Hearts. And I put full, full Catastrophe a little bit behind the other two if I was a, trying to come up with a hierarchy. But it's not like, oh, suddenly they all get better and better over time. But you can feel the evolution of him because in, the, in, in Falling Alone, there's a lot more, I feel like the ween world and the ween people are, are, are part of it and helping it. And that comes from that early, uh, late 90s, early yep. 2000s era. But then this is him, you know, becoming... You know, and this is written, started writing during the breakup, during the Ween breakup. And he releases it after Ween comes back. But Ween's not come back to like full touring. It's not like they're doing 50 shows a year or more. I mean, especially the first couple of years. I want to say the first couple of years they came back. It was pretty spotty how many shows Ween was doing. So this is really, this is Claude on his own. Like Ween broke yeah. up. Ween broke up. And Claude's like, I'm going to start working on putting together an album. And, and so it really does see the evolution. And then also part of that evolution is him finding out where he fits and going to Asheville and being like, this is where yep. I belong, you know? Yep. So. Yeah, I think that Full Catastrophe ends and Laughing Hearts are very personal. You know what I mean? And especially with this one, since there is that really nice article where he's talking about the songs. You know, he, he talks about moving down south and also the fact that, you know, that was after his divorce. You know, when you read uh, his breakdown of those songs, that comes up a lot, too. So it's very personal stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and I do we do know that he is uh, is he remarried now or is it just a partner? I'm not sure the exact status, but I know that he's got a little kid. I do want to share, um, and this is a quote from Finn Turnbull. He's the, the music critic uh, that interviewed him for Where You At? Because I feel like the, what he says here really talks a lot about all of Claude's music, but also Laughing Hearts. And so I feel like this is a great way to like kind of summarize everything that we're talking about. So Turnbull says, The music he writes for Amandla is impossible not to like, because there's something there for everyone. The style ranges from hard, distorted rock to heartfelt blues, R&B, funk, even pop, country, and rockabilly. Laughing Hearts is a perfect example as it contains all of the above. This album would be appropriate to listen to at any time in any mood. Sweet, memorable lyrics accompany the most refreshing songs. Claude's third album is a masterpiece. The production is outstanding, which is to no surprise because Claude performed, recorded, and engineered almost everything himself. In addition to the fantastic instrumentation, Claude also has an amazing voice. His soothing tones in both falsetto and natural vocals are paired perfectly well together in harmonies that bring each song to a new level of solid sound. The record is romantic, charming, spacey, relaxing, upbeat, energizing, trippy, and super soulful all at the same time. 
Great quote, man. Great quote. Yeah. Thanks, Finn. And, you know, it speaks to what you said about Claude, especially of, like, the Ween guys. He's the professional. Yeah, you're right. And that's no diss on anyone else, by the way. No. That's more just speaking about Claude. But, yeah, dude. So, you know, I think that sums it up for Laughing Hearts. And uh, it's a great album, dude. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's out there on vinyl and CD and you should, people should get it. Love the album. You know, I, I just feel like that quote just really encapsulates everything about Amandla. I feel like if, you, uh, there's, if you're into Ween, there's absolutely no reason why you should go out and get Claude's solo projects. They're awesome. They're not, it's not Ween and you're not going to get the same thing you get with Ween. It's drawing from different sources of music. And then knowing that he's produced three albums in 20 years, you know, it's like obviously he takes a lot of time to do the work for it because it's his solo project and he's doing all the work, but he's also trying to fit it in between everything else he's doing. Right. I mean, you can tell, especially around the times that like, you know, the the records come out and the, you know, the tour dates that you can find, it's in between, you know, ween tours, basically. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. So it's tough. It's it's tough to find time, I'm sure, for him, you know? Yeah. Anyway, everybody, that's Amandla in a nutshell. We love you, Claude. We love you, Claude. You're you're awesome. Love you, Claude. If there's anybody out there, again, who hasn't heard this stuff, come on. You you, you have to hook yourself up, you know? If, if yeah. we've enlightened you to, you know, a song or two on this episode, hey, man, just grab all three of the records. You won't be disappointed. Great, man. Well, everybody, uh, thanks for listening, and, and have a great night or day. Have a, have a great life. Do, do your best. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to another Weencast, and thanks for sticking with us. We love you. All right, guys. Everybody, peace. Peace.